Welcome to the For the Gospel podcast, where we provide sound doctrine for everyday people. I'm your host, Kosti Hinn, and on today's episode, we're continuing our series on biblical manhood to kick off this new year. I've got Pastor Travis Allen with me. He has just been a well of wisdom. I know he has blessed you as you've been listening to these episodes, whether you're a mom who is raising boys and shaping the future of men, or you're a father who's doing the same, or maybe you're a young man and you need biblical wisdom or an older man that needs to be refreshed and renewed and sharpened. I know on this side of the microphone and the camera, I've selfishly been enjoying this. It's been discipling me and sharpening me and filling my my sails with wind as a man. And so, Travis, thanks for coming back. I'm excited for this episode. Yeah, me too, Kasi. It's been, been a pleasure already, and I know we got more to talk about, so let's do it. Awesome. Title of this episode, what is the role of men in the home? And we're coming at all of this from a biblical perspective. Uh, Let me just hit you with the first question. How should men, Christian men at that, view the home, marriage, and family? Are they a drag on our time? Are they a drain on the finances? Is the wife, you know, the old ball and chain? What what should our, our mindset be on home, marriage, and family? Uh, we've got to see the home, marriage, and family as God intends us to see it is another of his good and perfect gifts that come from above. Um, and so that whole, in, anything about a drag, ball and chain, all that stuff is worldly and evil, and let's just cast it aside and not even use that language at all. The, 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 the home marriage family these are a blessing in in our life that i mean young men um and you know i was a young man once not married not not nailed down and and i acted like it and uh and my my, all my energy went into you know i I was all over the place you know stupid stuff when when the lord granted me the gift of a marriage the gift of a wife um all of a sudden something snapped in me to where it's like I've got to get on the ball. I've got a, I've got a wife to provide for. I've got a, I've got a wife to love and care for. There's another, there's another human being, uh, an image bearer of God, who now looks to me for, for shaping up, for, for acting with self-control and discipline and being productive with my time and being productive with my life and providing for her. And then as children start to come into the picture. She's, she's nurturing and she's caring for them and she's doing all the things that just by God's design, she snapped into shape and said, man, I'm giving myself to these children. But now they, they need food and uh, clothing and provision and shelter. And man, it just, it just brought out the best in me, brought out the best in her. Um, certainly challenges there because of our sin and our sinfulness and we're young and needing to learn and grow. But at the same time, the institution of the family that is the very first institution of creation. You know, God God granted this institution for the shaping and the forming of the individual. When he created the individual man and the individual woman on the sixth day, the same time he created those individuals, he created the institution, marriage, that would shape them, form them, give them, uh, give them structure, give them meaning, purpose. That's how we need to see the home, marriage, and the family. And I'll just add this, that 
when you go to Paul's letter to the Ephesians, you see Ephesians chapter 4, the, uh, the role of the local church. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. That's Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. Hmm. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So gifted men given to the church, they equip the saints because the saints are the ones who are doing the work of the ministry. And the work, the ministry then is to build up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God to a mature manhood. And the goal is the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Man, if, if we spend time unpacking that, it's going to take it's going to take longer than you and I have right now. But that's that's the that's the local church, and out of the local church is we're instructed and equipped, and as we become the strong, healthy body that's 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 demonstrating the wisdom of God in the church and the fullness of Christ. Out of that comes the extension of our ministry outside the local church. And the very first place that our ministry is extended is into the family. As you go into Ephesians 5, uh, this is what Luther calls the house thoughtful, the, the house table. The You start with wives and husbands in the marriage, and then you get into children and parents in chapter 6, and then you get into slaves and masters, which is really the workplace or the marketplace. Or you could even talk about the the body politic, you can talk about politics, and that's all out, outside the family. But the very first institution where, you know, outside the local church, was in, which is an institution, the very first institution that centers into is the home life. And the home life is any, any, any stable society is going to be as stable or as unstable as the homes in that society. So when the, when the homes are strong, when the, when the marriages are strong and the families are strong, the society is going to be strong as well. All its institutions are going to be strong. When those are weak and coming apart, well, as we're watching in our own time, that's what's coming apart in our age too. So I think we need to see the the home, marriage, family as the gift that God designed them to be. To see them as a as another example, another demonstration of the goodness, the kindness, the wisdom of God. A place for us to to have a, the joy of intimacy and relationships, uh, an outlet then for um, for our own love and joy. But we also see it as an institution that shapes us, forms us, um, that that is shaping every individual with, that participates in an institution. So husbands and wives are shaped by, by interaction with each other, relation, relational marital intimacy with one another, they're shaped through that, and the giving of one of themselves to one another. And then as parents then give to the children, that's that's also shaping those children and shaping the parents as well. That institution then is the first uh, extension of the ministry of the local church. It goes into the family and then out from the family into the world. So, okay. man, so significant. And I think we underestimate the, uh, the place the family has in our own lives for the individual, but also for the entire culture as well. It is, it is a massively important institution. Well, then a follow-up question is, what is the role of a man in setting a spiritual example for his home? Since the home is a primary and it's such a high emphasis and out of it flows so much in our society, so goes the home, so goes uh, the, the church and society. But undergirding a lot of that is God's calling on men. What's our yeah. role? Well, you know, I think that um, it's 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 no, you know, 
it's not incidental, it's not coincidental that God sets up, Christ sets up within his church, gifted men to pastor, elder, shepherd, oversee the church. Mm-hmm. Men, fathers, husbands are to look to those shepherds as examples. They're to look at their leadership, their love for the church, their giving of themselves continually for the church, their, their example of meekness, humility, the fruits of the spirit. They're to look at those men as role models because Paul said, imitate me as I also do Christ. You know, so in the same way that we, you know, any pastor looks to Paul, well, men in the church should be looking to that pastor as well and seeing in him an example. Paul told Timothy, watch your life and doctrine closely. Because in so doing, you'll, you'll win salvation both for yourself and for your hearers. It's so vital to watch those two categories in your life. Life or your, uh, your, watch your life and doctrine. Watch your character and your competency and doctrine. So character and competency, that, that's how you set an example for all those who look to you. Just as every man ought to look to, every pastor ought to look to Paul. Every, every pastor ought to look to Christ. Every pastor ought to look to Peter and and these examples in scripture, every man in the church ought to look to his pastors and elders. It's so vital for an elder to, I mean, look at the qualifications for an elder in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. So many character qualifications in there that, that have to do with managing the household well and and the, the way he conducts himself with dignity and, and restraint and self-control. And uh, he's, he's just an exemplary Christian. He's to model that. So as men then look to the elders and overseers and shepherds, they, they take that example, they imitate those men, and then they, they set an example for the people who look to them for leadership and instruction. So character, competency, so vital in setting an example in their home. And such a good summation. That's easy to remember. What Paul said to Timothy, I got to watch my character and I got to watch my competency of doctrine. Can we get practical here for uh, a bit? You have... Five kids, right? You and Melinda have raised five. They're, what are their ages? Uh, so let's see. 29, 27, 20, almost 20, no, 23, 22, and then 17. So you're not a rookie. You're not a rookie. That's that's really the no. point here. Okay. So you've yeah, been doing yeah. And you and Melinda have been married 32 years? 30. 32. Yeah. Um, could you frame up? And I know every home's different. I, I don't need to nuance this ad nauseum. Just every home's different. There'll be different versions of, of what have you. But so I'll just tell the tell the audience ahead of time. Men, you plagiarize and customize this. You, you take the concept or the principle and you customize it for your home or your location, wherever you are. But in general, could you provide some examples? What are some of the ways? Some of this is just a direct correlation. We should just copy it. How did you disciple Melinda and the kids? Like, did you, I had a brother once who said this, he's like, how do you, I just can't get them to sit still for 40 minutes. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, well, family worship, right? So I, we sing three songs and then I teach uh, a sermon. I'm like, oh, bless your heart, man. I, as a pastor, <laughs> I'm in the phase of life where we, we get like half a hymn and, and we're working our way up to the, you know, two hymns, but I'm not preaching sermons. I mean, but in general, there are some practical things. What are some things you did to disciple your home? 
Well, the very first thing I did, and I, I think all men need to take this, you know, very seriously. The very first thing I did with my family is to make sure and get them in a good, sound, healthy local church. I wanted to, I wanted to expose them to the best ministries, the best preaching, the best examples that I could find, uh, because a church is going to be shaped by the by the character and the competency of the men who are shepherding that church. Uh, they're to be our role models, but their ministry and the impact of their preaching and their their teaching, uh, their discipleship, that's that's gonna that's gonna trickle down through the entire church, which then helps as my wife and my it looks to other women as as you know Titus too. They're gonna look to the those older women who are going to help them to know how to love their husbands and love their children. And, and frankly, I'm such a knucklehead that my wife needed a lot of instruction. I had to learn to love this difficult man. Uh, and that's, that's no joke. <laughs> she really had to look to a lot of examples to learn how to love and learn how to love them. Children for women, easier to love husband. Uh, that's, that's, that's a little more challenging. So yeah, <laughs> Um, amen or oh me, you know, but uh, get them into a good sound local church where the pattern of preaching, the instruction, the depth of doctrine and theology is going to shape that church and shape the members of that church so that your wife, your children are exposed to good, sound, healthy, mature Christians that do not underestimate the power and the impact of a good, sound local church on your family. That's that's step number one in being a being a you know, discipling your wife, discipling your children is, is don't do it all yourself. You know, I, 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 um, I can, I can appreciate the brother who wants to preach sermons to his family as they sit there dutifully, you know, uh, lined up. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, maybe you could practice taking offering and, uh, you know, administering the elements as well. <laughs> but I think, uh, I think you want to back off that a little bit, you know, let the church do what the church does. When you come into your home, you know, just you got to be age appropriate. Those little ones, they're a little squirrely and stuff. And so it's a challenge for them to sit there for 40 minutes or an hour or whatever. But I'll tell you that 40 minutes or, or an hour or beyond, that'll actually grow as the health of your family life develops. So when they're younger, you're just te teaching them very basic things and maybe maybe setting a goal for 10 minutes, 15 minutes of, of trying to help your your little ones sit still with their hands folded and and maybe five minutes is all you can manage and maybe maybe you're going to go through a little bible storybook with little pictures and you're going to you're going to you know when you read it uh maybe use different voices and little characters and kind of work that out and just let the kids enjoy you as a as a father or enjoy the mom as a mother and and kind of instill that let 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 it be a fun time an enjoyable time with with biblical truth but but make it age appropriate. So Bible storybook, maybe when they're in their threes to fives, but as you get a little older, start to actually open the big Bible, you know, and open up the Bible and start to read. We would do, um, we'd read through the Proverbs as the kids got a little older, um, you know, a proverb a day. And so we do just kind of have us go around the circle when they became readers, we had them each read a proverb. And then, um, and then when, uh, you know, we would go through, basically read a proverb as they got a little older, then we'd have an Old Testament passage and a New Testament passage. We'd do on one night, we'd do Old Testament, and on another night, do New Testament. So we're kind of varying it up during the week. We didn't really, 
you know, our, our family didn't, we're not really singers, so we would sometimes sing songs, but not, not all the time doing that in family worship, but we would definitely get into the Word of God. And, and I would, I'm a teacher, and so I like to teach and help them to understand theology and understand God. I just draw out like a big idea and help them to enjoy that. So we would do that for a half hour or something like that as they got a little older. Man, if we do that now, our, our kids will sit there for three hours, you know, just asking questions, interacting. And it, you know, it's, that's the joy. As you get into the, into the middle years and the teen years, the, those little minds are exploding with questions. And, and the more you can take them back to Scripture, they, they ground their understanding in the Word of God. And that, the Word of God becomes a very practical tool in your family life and raising your children. So I'd say your, uh, that, your discipleship in your family, those family Bible times are so precious. And I know I sound like an old man when I say this, but man, enjoy those younger years because the time, it just goes back by like that. It, is, it, it goes by so fast. When you're in the middle of it, it doesn't feel like that. I know that. But as you as you look back and reflect, you're like, boy, I just wish I could get some of that time back and spend time. But hmm. enjoy those kids and enjoy, you know, wrestle with the boys and play play dolls with the girls or whatever. Just enjoy the family on their level. There are going to be times, though, and a time and place for that Bible time. We get a little bit more serious. Sit still. Pay attention. Sit up straight. You know, don't lounge around and teach them to discipline their bodies and to, to exercise self-control and then ask questions that are age appropriate and draw them into the conversation they can see that this bible really is these are not just idle words to you but they are your life Man. you just want your kids to understand that so so i'd say big picture get them into a good sound healthy local church small intimate family picture Man, invest yourself into them, love them, enjoy them, and let them feel your love and enjoyment. Uh, and you will you will rejoice in what you've instilled to them, uh, instilled in them, uh, for a long time to come. It's so good, so good. Do you uh, remember the the transition from young, age appropriate to they started sitting around lingering? Like, do you remember? even in your mind now, like you said, you know, your, your kids now all grown up, they just, you guys could sit around and talk for hours. Do you remember as you facilitated conversation, did that set the tone in the home? So now they're older. It's like, it's just what we do. Like we're the Allen family when we're around, we just talk like dad is approachable and mom. What? Cause I bet you there's families listening going, Oh man, what I would do. I know for me personally, what I would do, to sit around in my living room one day or just be with my yeah. kids and, and, and them just want to talk. What yeah. do you think paved the way for that? Was it this? Definitely. Yeah, it was definitely this family Bible time was, was, uh, was like that. I, you know, we, we heard a lot when we were younger, Hey, watch out for the teen years. Those are terrible. Or watch out for the twos and threes. Those are, te listen, we, we enjoyed every single stage. And we did not, we didn't recoil from, uh-oh, they're getting into their teen years. Uh-oh, they're a teenager. We didn't look at anything with any kind of uh, trepidation. We looked at it as a, as a challenge, an opportunity. And, and, and frankly, every single, every single one of our kids is different. Every single one of our kids, as they got into different stages, kind of reacted differently. But it was just, it was just a, it created variety and enjoyment. And, uh, you know, I heard an Arab say this once to me. He said, 
uh, he said, variety is the spice of life. And then he also said, at the same time, war is the spice of life. <laughs> I think he, I think he saw the same, the same things. <laughs> Are those from your Navy SEAL? From your Navy SEAL days? Yeah, it was. He, uh, but I, I kind of have the like four C's in mind as I think about the stages of development, and really from mm. from a parent perspective. I think about controller, corrector, coach, and counselor. Mm. So when you're when when the kids are really young, you're really controlling a lot. You know, you're you're not going to let them put screwdrivers into a, into the light socket or or into the outlet because you need to control their behavior and keep screw, screwdrivers out of their hands and knives mm -hmm. out of their hands. And so you're controlling a lot. You're you're controlling their little impulses. You're putting them in car seats and strapping them in. They're under control and under restraint because they don't have the maturity or the, the knowledge or of the dangers in the world mm -hmm. to keep themselves safe. So mm -hmm. you've got to control that. Part of controlling that is to teach them, though, from a very young age, um, how to restrain their own impulses, sit still and listen. Because your long-term goal is for them to be hearers and doers of the Word of God. Yes. They can't do what they don't understand, and they can't understand what they won't listen well to. So... In order to believe, you have to understand and then believe and do. So we're keeping that long-term goal in mind, and we're going to start when they're really young because with the long-term goal of making them good listeners to the Word of God, mm. expository listeners to the Word of God, uh, asking good questions of the text and interrogating the text. Uh, we want to teach that from a very young age with you've got to sit still and you've got to be Discipline your little, you know, your little mind to think, and you have to discipline your body and, you know, exercise self-control of your body to sit still. So we're going to, as parents, be kind of controllers when they're young, you know, helping them to sit still and making sure their hands are folded so they're not wiggling all over the place and all that stuff. So that's when they're really young. As they get a little bit older, you, you release the restraints a little bit. So think about a funnel, you know, the funnel... It's, it's when they're young, it's very tight and controlled. As they start to get a little older, you're opening up the funnel a little bit. So now yeah. you're a corrector. You're teaching them things, you're instructing them, telling them this is good, this is bad, this is right, this is wrong. And you're, when they, then you let them, you test them, you let them have some freedom to go out and either do what you said or not. And when they don't do it, you correct it. You know, sometimes that correcting correction comes through, you know, uh, board of knowledge to the seat of instruction um you know sometimes that's a restriction of privileges and those kind of mm -hmm. things but you're you're correcting bad behavior and you're rewarding good behavior but you're a controller then your corrector as you kind of go up in age and open up the funnel a little bit now you're a coach you're mm -hmm. you're as they're getting to those middle years and start transitioning into the teen years they're kind of coaching them on the principles you've instilled in them when they're young um, they're going to get out into school and neighborhood and all those kind of things and start to expand their social uh, awareness and their social experience, get into church life and ex ex exposed to more and more people. Uh, and you're kind of coaching them through those relationships, through the triumphs and the tragedies and all the things that they go through in life. Um, and, uh, you know, with the, the long-term goal, though, is to kind of open up the funnel and let them out into the world as they go into college or trade school or get into life and business and work life and all those kind of things. Now you're, now you're a wise counselor in their life. So 
Um, and that's kind of the stage that Melinda and I are in that right now is just this joyful time of being a counselor to them and now helping them to go back with their kids and then, you know, be controller and, and, and uh, corrector and things like that. So, yeah, it's just a joyful time. And that, that counselor stage is, man, that's, that's awesome. That's a lot of fun because, but uh, along the way, as, as you were the coach and then the counselor in their life, they are, their minds are popping with questions as they're experiencing the world and asking you for help, you know, mm. so you take them back to the word of God and be shaped by your own, you know, your understanding of the word of God and your own experiences and how you've lived that out. That all gets passed mm. on to them. So well said. I, I'm jotting down, I was jotting down some notes just in my, in my phone here to remember those four C's are really helpful and we'll drop those in the show notes and, and post them as well on socials so people can, can kind of hear that quoted and, and take that with them. I want to talk briefly about a man and his role as provider in the home. What is a, a man's role in in providing? How does that play out? Uh, you you hear a lot of debates today on on this because some will say, well, my wife can make more money than me. We prefer, I'm not being cheeky when I say this, just kind of the not the stay-at-home mom approach, but the daddy daycare, just to put it in a kind of an alliterated yeah. approach um, in that sense, because my wife can go make way more. Or you've got like husband can make something, but man, if my wife goes to work, we could have more. Um, what are the principles that homes should be thinking about? And then what role does a man play in providing, even being sensitive to the nuances of some young men? Like I remember... Uh, you, to be honest, you walked with me and my wife during this season where when I first got saved and I started to get an understanding of a biblical home and you were walking with me, man, I wanted nothing more than for my wife to be home. We we're going to have a baby. And I was like, we got to get, I, she wants to be, and she wanted to be a stay at home mom. And man, bridging that gap took time. I had to get two jobs. I ended up working for a, a country club at some point and it was like phasing out, but it was hard. Like it wasn't like overnight, Travis Allen told me what a biblical home should look like. And I went home and my wife quit and now we had no money and nothing worked, but we were obedient. It's like, well, you still, and then we were getting uh, calls from the collectors and like I was a pastor in training um, no one was, was like throwing a big paycheck my way either. So all of those things, yeah. can you shepherd all of us almost the way that you supported and encouraged us in those early years and yet remembering men need to be getting after it maybe? Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I, I, uh, I do sympathize. It's a, it's a, um, it's a, it's, it's a tough world. It's always going to be a tough world. It's always going to be a challenge. But I think that uh, we just got to go back to the blueprint and the design and what did God design men for, what did God design a woman for. And, you know, her, her nurturing, you know, her, her nurturing nature, uh, just that, especially as those children come into the picture and those, those kind of motherly instincts that come out, she is, you know, beautifully designed by God wisely designed to attend to those kids and really shape them, give herself to them. And there's nothing, there, there is no better picture sometimes I can see of self-sacrifice, giving up the self, denying the self than a, than a young mother who's, who's just, she's not getting sleep. She's, you know, her, her body's, you know, bent out of shape, just having children and she's recovering from all that, but she is still 
giving herself that baby. And as those, mm. as those little babies start to grow up and she continues to give and, you know, you, you, you threaten that little baby, you're going to see that mother's wrath come out. And you just, yeah. you just see some really, really good things in her. Uh, they're admirable qualities, but, uh, you know, she, she's compromised in her effectiveness in doing that when you ever in the workplace, when you're ever earning a paycheck is, is money what's needed for those little kids? Not really. It's, it's really her and what God gave and put into her and kind of hardwired into her that will come out as those little kids uh, are in her life. I mean, obviously her, her character, just like ours, needs to be shaped by the word of God, her, her understanding and all that ought to be happening through the local church and those family Bible times and things like that. But man, it's, the more she's shaped and, and formed by the word of God and the teaching and preaching of the word of God and the, the other examples in her life, the, the best comes out of her and she's then shaping those kids. Don't compromise that by putting her in the workforce. So, you know, if another paycheck is what's needed, you go do that, you know, as a man. We're built for utility. We're built for uh, the world. We're built to take the knocks of the world, not just with our bodies being, you know, bigger and stronger, you know, on a general sense, but also just with our, our makeup, our disposition, our nature is it's not as nurturing it's much more um you know goal oriented and you know we'll take the knocks of life and and uh brush it off and get back in the fight get back in the game and i think that we you know it's just important for men to do what men are designed to do get out there in the world provide protect and uh bring home paychecks and so i mean we lynn and i you know i i kind of had the view when i when i first got married to her um you know, we both we both worked, and and I don't say there's any problem with her working as we're young, married, and she doesn't have anything to do at home, and so she was trying to. We came to the same place. I was going to school. She we're both working at the school at the campus, and she had one job. I had a different job. We're both you know kind of trying to make ends meet through that. She got pregnant, and um, you know as she's as she's with child and growing the child's growing within her. Uh, she's still at that job and. And she was she was starting to say things like, hey, so you know, can I just you know, I'm thinking about when the baby's born, I'll just stay home. And I'm like, no, what's what's why? You know, how you, hell are you gonna need a like week or two to you know get through that phase and get back yeah. to work? And I didn't I didn't know. And um, and I can't remember why I thought this, but at some point, you know, I think she, I think it was her praying. Um, but I I came to this realization. Wait a minute. You can't go back to work. You'll be a mom. And uh, and and from then on, I mean, we had she had the baby. She got out of the workplace and was in the home. And we were poor. We had no we had no money. But I just I was going to school full time and I was working full time and then some. But the Lord provided. There were there were some very lean years in there. But we never went that well without a meal. We never we never had to live in our car. Uh, we always had a place to live. We just believed that if we are trying to pursue obedience to the Lord, you know, sticking with his purpose in our design, trying to follow the blueprint, we just believed that he was going to provide. We just kind of trusted him to take care of us. And lo and behold, he took care of us. There were It didn't always come through even the paychecks, you know, what it looked like on paper. I remember one time we had a, a family of four. And we're in North Carolina, and I'm going to school, and um, 
you know, working full time, and it just didn't it just didn't provide a lot of money. There was one year that we looked at our taxes, and we only made somewhere around twelve thousand dollars for the year. I thought, how is this how is this possible? We looked back though and saw other people would say, hey, could you guys use some groceries? And they'd bring groceries, or some people would provide little things. So it, it, all of a sudden, we could see the Lord providing for us not just through a paycheck, but then through the generosity of Christians who just wanted to love us and care for us. Mm. We didn't want to be a burden on anybody. We didn't go, you know, kind of leaning on them and say, hey, wouldn't you like to help a poor student? You know, we didn't we didn't uh, play on their emotions or anything like that. They just maybe they just saw us and thought that's a family with some needs, and so they you know tried to help us out and. There had to be a for us as a, a humility that came along with that is to receive help and to to realize that we we had needs and and this is God's way of helping us. So anyway, that the Lord just continued to take care of us and we get into positions where you know maybe I need to get some extra work or or maybe maybe scale down my education at the, at that point and get a get a get a better paying job and. Whatever it was, uh, we just had, we just kind of flexed with what the Lord was leading, uh, revealing His providence. We took whatever we could. I worked hard, and you know sometimes I had to go without a little sleep. But the Lord has always taken care of us. So I just want to encourage, I, I want to encourage people to think like Christians to to think, to think as 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 a child would of His Father, trusting Him realizing that that father you know that that two-year-old looks up at the father and he's the biggest thing in the world you know? he's like strong and competent and useful and we're the children of a heavenly father who is who's who's so eternally infinitely outpaces any human father and his heart is always good always kind his his power is limitless his his care his love is without measure can we trust him if he, if we're trying to be obedient to the design that he put into into our life and into this world and the institution of the family, can we trust him to take care of us through that? I believe we can. We've tested Amen. that and found him to be faithful. Amen. I'll never forget that season. And you had sent me some books, and we had talked a ton, and I was reading and reading. And I remember, um, you know, I ended up having somebody who was kind of in our relational orbit, had some pull at a, a country club and in, in the restaurant kind of food industry and uh, just privately came and said, Hey, if you know, if you wanted a second job, I'd be happy to, to make that happen for you. And I, I think I hear you talking and I think, man, the issue is our own hearts. My heart issues at that point were, well, well then like, why do I have to take all this on slash uh, I'm not going to sleep a lot. Uh, slash mm -hmm. pride slash, mm -hmm. you know, man, this kind of stinks. Like the prosperity gospel, you never worry about money. I'm not asking for that on this side, but okay. Yeah. But I have to do this now. Like we're going to work till 2 a.m. And it, all those, those just pride and frustration and mm -hmm. expectations. And also just the flat out challenge of just being a man, take the hit, take the sacrifice. And I remember stepping i'll say out in faith if you will in that season meaning just trusting the lord like okay i'm gonna do this and brother i just remember being enough in the black and i was like it's it's working like this okay and you now it's hard but my wife i remember those seasons and the tears of joy 
And so I think what you're saying is so helpful. Can I get your insight now on how a man should be involved in the financial health and management of his home? Perhaps, well, not even perhaps, for sure. There's uh, men who are listening or families that are listening to this and they're, they're like, yeah, you know, I, he's takes care of the finances. He does everything. Maybe wife's not in the loop or just kind of like whatever she spends, whatever, as long as there's more coming in than what gets spent. I think, uh, one of those financial guys online called that out earning our stupidity on one, on one end of the spectrum. Uh, on the other side, there, there may be men that are like, look, I make the money, whatever. Like she, she's in charge of that. I don't, I don't, want to be involved in that, um, whatever all the different views are biblically, what should anchor every home and how should a man be involved in the financial health and planning and management as a steward? Yeah. yeah, Um, great question. I think, you know, once again, I kind of go back to the paradigm of the local church and how, how the structure of the local church and the leadership and authority of the local church is, is, is really um, paradigmatic for our, our families. Each of the individual families kind of looks to the structure and the leadership and authority in the local church and how it's handled. And we want to follow that example. You, know, you, wouldn't, you, would, you would see any group of elders in a church that just, that just kind of sloughed off their responsibility to oversee the finances of the church and said, ah, I just don't really get into the whole numbers thing and I'm just going to have, I, I don't care, that, that guy can take care of it. You would see that as, an, as, a, as a serious neglect of his stewardship and his responsibilities. That is, and that's the Lord's people bring their offerings before the elders and saying, hmm. invest this wisely. Let's, let's be good stewards of this. I mean, I've earned this out there in the working world, and I'm bringing a portion of that to you and because I want to be involved in the stewardship and partnership of the gospel in our community. And I'm trusting you as elders to manage this wisely and use it purposefully and any elder that then would just kind of slough that off to some you know somebody else and just not even pay attention to it you'd say fire that guy and get somebody in there who actually sees stewardship as a good responsibility so i don't say that elders you know don't they don't need to be experts in finances but they have they have responsibility and oversight over that take that now into the family a man he may have a wife who's really competent with with finance and that, you know, God bless them. That's awesome. You know, let her, let her, uh, let her serve in that way. Let her be helpful, uh, a suitable helper to you in that way. But that doesn't mean you just pass it off. You need to be, you need to bring yourself up to speed in, in principles of budget and finance enough that you can understand, um, what comes in needs to be more than what goes out and you need to understand some basic you know some basic principles of budgeting and where category should be and how much percentages should be and just be overseeing that as your wife handles maybe some of the details of that i know that not all wives are good at that and don't make them be you know let them let them do what they're really good at i mean certainly they're going to be better mothers than you are because that's how god designed them to be so you you don't burden their motherly responsibility, their home keep, homekeeping responsibility with the things that are really your job. So um, I just say you've got to you've got to take take that on. And especially, it, you know, it's not it's not just how we spend money. It's it's the mentality of stewardship and all of life is a stewardship. Certainly money, but my time, my energy, my imagination, my private life, my, um, you know, my relationships, 
church life, work life, everything is given to us by God so that we can invest it and use it for kingdom purposes. If, if we think about entire life as a gift from God and he expects a return on his investment in us, we're going to think differently about the finances in our home too. And the man needs to be have exercise oversight responsibility there and not just not just hand it off to his wife and pay no attention to it that would be that would be a, a, a neglect of his responsibility and a serious dereliction of duty that's so balanced that's so balanced and and such a helpful framework so everyone's listening you could just summarize that saying uh know know your role and know your home or if you're a man know thy wife what how is she wired and in that, yeah. you still got to fulfill your role. Okay, last question, and then we'll land the plane on this episode on the home. What would you say to encourage a man who's trying to balance working to provide discipleship, like you talked about earlier, the stress of life's pressures? He's got the weight of the world, he feels at times, trials as well, and then the internal, deep, dark feelings that men don't often share that we feel inadequate and we feel ill-equipped. Could you speak a, a word of encouragement into that man's life and his thinking? Yeah, absolutely. You're right to say that these are things that all men feel, but don't feel real comfortable sharing. You know, there there's a there's a sense, and I get it. You know, you're not gonna you're not gonna run around whining about all the things that are difficult for you. Um, I get that. I understand that. But at the same time, we do have these thoughts and feelings. You know, you call them inadequacy, uh, you know, a sense of uh, insecurity. I'm not measuring up. I'm not doing enough or whatever. Those kind of those can haunt our thoughts. I think that uh, when we have those thoughts and concerns, first of all, we need to recognize that we are limited. You know, we're limited by design. We're creatures. Every creature is limited. You know, birds don't don't uh, are not able to fly underwater, and fish are not able to fly outside the water. Mm. But, you know, animals are land animals; they don't they don't dwell in either of those spaces well. Um, they have limitations. We have limitations. We live within the limitations of space and time that we have. We live within the limitations of of what we each of us are, our our dispositions, our natures, our experiences. I. I don't have the experience of being a Harvard grad. I have the experience of being a graduate of the different institutions I've been to, which are not Harvard level. Um, I, I have limitations in my understanding of things, my exposure to things. Mm -hmm. It's okay for me to live within those limitations and accept God's providence in my life and say, God, God's given me this life, not that life, not that life, but this life. And I'm just going to do the best and bloom where I'm planted and and be give glory to God in the stewardship of the life that He's given to me. Um, live within that, and and accept the limitations that God's given to you. Uh, even though we're we're always kind of pushing the boundaries of those limitations, and that's part of our ambition and drive and desire, right? Mm -hmm. But the other thing that happens is we think about inadequacy and those pressures and things like that. Those are all really good because they drive us to our knees to go yeah. to the one who has no limitations whatsoever. He has no, he has no uh, weakness, no lack of energy. He's got all power, all strength. He's, he's, he's got all wisdom. I mean, I find that's sometimes the most difficult things as a leader, as a, mm. whether it's in my home or whether it's in the church. I've, I've faced situations that are pretty perplexing. And, and uh, 
you know, sometimes sometimes they're way beyond my wisdom. And so that drives me to my knees and asking the Lord for great help and wisdom. It's amazing how he will answer those prayers and give us what we need for the moment and help us to make the first decision well that opens up another uh, another vistas of other things that we could not have foreseen. And all of a sudden now we're walking in clarity. But God does that. He He wants us to come to him and pray to him. He's, a, he's the giver of all good things. He's the giver of, the, of wisdom to those who ask. And, and we're not meant to handle everything on our own. We, we are meant to be team players. And the, the, the one that's on the team who, has the, who, has, who, who swings the biggest bat is the Lord God himself. Let's go to him. Amen. Amen. Look to Christ. Brother, thank you for your kindness, your time, your seasoned wisdom, and most of all, for, for staying anchored in biblical truth, the role of men in the home. So helpful. Thank you for that. Enjoyed it, Costi. Really good spending time with you again. And, and going down memory lane a little bit, too, of uh, what we both walked through together. That was fun. Oh, beyond grateful. My wife, uh, probably no more than her. She's the most grateful I because she had to marry me and deal with me. And I needed brothers like you in my corner. Uh, for those of you listening, next episode, we're going to answer the big question, how should men protect their family? We're going to talk about the practical questions that men often have, might I even add, the imaginations and and really the God-given desire within us. I think as men, many times we think, man, if someone ever tried to do this to my family, I would this, or what would you do? There's something that God has put in us as protectors and as providers and as men, but as Travis has helped us see over these episodes, that has to be shaped by the Holy Spirit, by Christ to bear his fruit. So we're going to answer that question. And then uh, to finish this series, we're going to talk about the role of men in the church and how God has called men and shaped men to be on the front lines of his plan A, the church to reach the lost and to equip saints. Travis, thanks again, brother. Enjoy it, man. See ya. Have a good one. Thank you. Uh, thanks again for everyone for listening, for watching, for supporting. We'll be back next Monday with another episode. Keep on living for the gospel.